basically right now the the our, our economic leaders they just want to put money they want money flowing through the economy again and if that means giving people free money so that they'll put it back into the economy that's okay that's what they want and and because we're facing some very big deflationary pressures and so there's a very good chance if you're a business under $5 million in revenue and if you file payroll forms, payroll tax forms, quarterly, annual, you will qualify for the PPP. So how do you get started? Whichever bank you bank your business banks with, your your business account is hooked up to, just contact that, that bank because they've already got all your information, they've got all your financials, so it should be much easier. If you, for whatever reason, aren't approved by them, check out the website Cabbage. That's with a K. So K-A-B-B-A-G-E. Go to Cabbage, fill out an application, and there's a very good chance that you'll get approved for the PPP. For the EIDL, this is meant for businesses that don't have payroll. So my real estate company is an LLC. A lot, most LLCs do not have payroll. And so I applied through the SBA disaster relief site. Again, you can just go to Google, type in, apply for EIDL. It should be the first or second thing that comes up. And it was a five minute application, I want to say, maybe 10 minutes, fill it out, upload all your information. And all of a sudden money showed up in my bank account. Like there was no email or anything. It just showed up in my bank account like six weeks later. It took a while because there were tens of millions of people all around the, the country applying for these things. So it, 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 I think it slowed down, but um, takes a while. Look, there's no harm in applying. Put in the 30 minutes, apply, and you know, take advantage of, of these programs that are available. And Google is your best friend. If you have any questions about what I'm saying during this podcast episode, just go on Google, do a little bit more research are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have a special episode for you. We have a returning guest from episode 31, um, Naresh Visa. Naresh, are you there? I'm here. Pleasure to be back on. Awesome. So glad to have you back and get a chance to talk to you a little bit about how your business has been dealing with our crazy world in 2020. I know it was like <laughs> August last year back when the world was normal last time we got to talk. Um, so tell me a little bit of, um, just real quick, remind the audience what it is that you do. Um, and then tell us a little bit about how you guys have been handling 2020 so far. Yeah, well, I was on about a year ago. I think it was episode 31. 
and I'm the founder and CEO of Krish Media and Marketing. It's an online and digital marketing agency. So we provide solutions that have to do with online and digital, anything and everything online and digital. Just today alone, I've been working on probably four different projects, uh, a web design project for a new client, an existing web redesign for uh, another client, and then uh, a design project on a book cover, and then an Amazon bestseller campaign to sell a book for a client. And then actually there's a fifth, there's a fifth project that we're working on, and that is a pay-per-click advertising on Google, Facebook, and Amazon. So that just kind of, that's just the five projects I've been working on today. And that kind of gives an overview of all the different online and digital services that we offer. Now, when we spoke last time, Richard, we talked in depth about the online and digital economy, why businesses need to go online and digital, and how I, I made a prediction back then that the at the time in August 2019, that the next recession was going to force businesses to go online. And it would also force businesses to trim the fat to move away from commercial real estate and these expensive office buildings and to start having people work from home and also to start finding talent uh, overseas or independent contractors domestically instead of having people come into the office. And so in a matter of what, one year, (laughs) all of those things have happened. Yeah, all all it took was one global pandemic to completely change the course of the business industry. And, um, you know, it's changing a lot of things, but particularly in business, uh, you know, a lot of things are moving digital. Um, A lot of things are, you know, we had trouble getting on the Zoom recording because of uh, how much, you know, their servers are being strained is happening right now. Yeah. And, and I think, first off, when I, I said this has all happened within a year, it, it actually all happened within six weeks, not even a year, yeah. because yeah. It was life was completely normal uh, through January and, and through February. It wasn't until about mid-March, around March 15th, when this started, and about uh, the, by the end of April of 2020, that's when the businesses, that's when the economy realized that this was a major, major transformation. And look, we can actually talk about, I want to talk about a couple of things today. I want to talk about the, not necessarily the pandemic, because it's not the pandemic that has causes, it's the lockdowns. The lockdowns are what's caused the changes everywhere, because there are countries that did not lock down and their economy has just continued to chug along. Um, but it's the lockdowns that have caused all this. And so I do want to talk about um, the economy as a whole and what we can expect moving forward. I also do want to talk about our tech workers, people like you and me who work in technology, our IT workers. Um, they've really been, I think, the, the, the real frontline heroes because they've been able to save and salvage whatever they could or whatever is left of this economy. Um, yeah, you take yeah. away the, the, the tech folks, the IT folks, and you've legitimately- Our economy would be gone. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so um, I wanna talk about, about that and, and also just the, the future of, of this 
new abnormal that we're going to be living moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that really strikes me is um, how how much businesses who were putting off this whole like, you know, it is an inevitability that the world was going to become more, you know, distance work, right? Like it was going to happen at some point or another. Um, and our pandemic really sped up that timeline. Like you said, just it seems like six weeks it went from, you know, we had our normal, you know, economy where everyone's driving into the office to like now no one can drive into the office. And I had a I had a client who was like his his business life went from doing their normal business to spending 12 hours a day trying to get their thousand of employees to be able to all work remotely. Right. And that's what his whole life has been for three months is getting every single one of their employees to be able to work remotely and keep their business going. Um, and he was sort of in charge of that. So like some of the projects we were working on had to be put on pause so he could go and do that and do the like help his employees get, you know, remote work set up. Um, and, you know, I've got a, you know, a couple of projects we're starting where we're actually teaching local businesses how to offer some of their services digitally, right? And how to, uh, um, how to continue to see patients and how to do some things in their spaces. We're actually doing some high level things with that with a few clients. So like, it's, it's a huge push to change our economy from being, well, not, not necessarily change it, but to, you know, to take advantage of the new virtual first economy. Right. Um, and so anyways, how, how have you guys been been dealing with that yourselves? Well, we've it, it, it's a common question that I get from a lot of people. And it's how has your business been affected by this? And it's actually done better than I was looking at my spreadsheets in uh, our, our books in January and February and comparing those books to March, April, May. And there's a, a sudden jump in in cash flow and clientele and revenue uh, between those first two months and the the last three months. And I think it's largely because so so many clients are coming our way who have realized or been forced to go digital. Previously, they might have, may have been brick and mortar or they just didn't take e-commerce or, or digital that seriously. And then now all of a sudden they knew about me I mean, I knew some of these clients for three, four, five years, and they never jumped yeah. on it. And they were just like, oh, yeah, that's a guy who does like the IT stuff. And then all of a sudden, the phone line, the email started hit me up saying, hey, like, can you create this website? Can you create this shopping cart? I want to start taking online orders. Um, I want to start marketing online. And so my that business, Chris Media Marketing. Yeah, my business, Chris Media Marketing has been uh, doing chugging right along, doing just fine. And um, we'll see how the end of the year turns out, but it could be our best yeah. year ever. And ours I think a, I say ours was a little bit different. We had, uh, we had like, as soon as the pandemic hit, we had a couple of clients that like stopped. So we had like a month, month and a half of like revenue dropping, but within three, you know, three to four weeks, we had a lot new, a lot of new clients coming in. And since, you know, a lot of the, com the clients that had like stopped working with us were like, okay, we've sort of got our bearings under us, they've come back. Um, so we're actually further ahead than when we started. But there was a, definitely a little bit of like, it was a hiccup when people were hit with the pandemic. They're like, oh no, shut down all things we're not sure we need to use. Um, so, yeah, well, it, 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 it's interesting because we didn't lose a single client. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely thankful and fortunate for that. But you did bring up like a one and a half month kind of timeline where things were slow. And I think a lot of that has to do with the funding that businesses got from the government. So you have the PPP yeah. and the EIDL funding. I don't know what happened there, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, kick, kicked us all out. 
So you were saying the PIP and the EIDL funding. Let's uh, start from there. Yeah, PPP uh, and, and EIDL. So, so the PPP program, by the way, during this pandemic, I should preface this. Uh, in mid-March, I had a buddy who works for the NBA, the National Basketball Association. He called me and he said that they had just forced their corporate offices to start working from home. And he said, look, like, I know you're, you wrote a book on podcasting. You do, your company does a lot of work on podcasting. You need to start a podcast on working from home. So literally overnight, I told my team, hey, you know what? I need to start this podcast on, on working from home. So we came out with our own podcast called The Work From Home Show. Um, and, and so the, the website is workfromhomeshow.com. And I bring this up because, uh, well, first off, we publish three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And we talk about everything you need to know work from home. And we've been guiding and coaching our listeners through things like the PPP, the EIDL, how to start a home-based business, how to work from home more efficiently. Um, and we're interviewing like the foremost experts on working from home. And so when it comes to the PPP and the EIDL, these are both government programs to help small businesses. The PPP is really for companies with payroll. That stands for Payroll Protection Program. The EIDL is meant for non-payroll companies. Uh, they're, and they're literally, the government is literally just giving away money. I mean, it, it, they're, they're not even loans, really. They're just giving away free money. And so, um, obviously, the, the, the goal got, is for... We got turned down for both of those. I, we applied for both of them. They turned us down. How, how did... Why, do, do you have payroll? Um, yeah, so our, uh, our payroll is... Uh, most of our uh, people are international, so that probably turned down the payroll, um, why the payroll was turned down. Um, and then the... Uh, what was it? The... SBA disaster assistance loan recovery yep, program. Yep. Yeah, the IDL. They just said you're, you know, we're sorry, we've looked at your application, you've been rejected. That's all it said. That's really strange. Um, you're actually the first person I know who outright got got rejected. Yeah, um, I just got a straight rejection letter said you're not getting it, and I was like, I, but I also applied really early, and they, I was told maybe I should try to reapply, but I don't know. So I haven't, uh, I haven't tried again. Well, there's still PPP funding available, and I know they haven't run out of money there. And I expect another round of funding to to come at the back half of this year, probably right before the election, like September, October, where, yeah. where they'll do another round of small business funding and also uh, stimulus checks for, for people. But the key with the PPP is you need to have payroll. So uh, I have an S corporation. I have payroll, even though I only have one employee. I'm the only full-time employee. Uh, you're still able to take uh, as long as you file the, the payroll forms, the payroll tax quarterly forms, you should be able to get it. And in, in my case, look, I said Christian Media Marketing has been doing just fine, but the funding has allowed me to grow my business and to market it and to hire more people and to do more. So uh, it, it, it's been beneficial for Krish Media Marketing and for my real estate investment company, Krish Capital. It's provided that cushion just in case my tenants aren't able to pay rent. Like I said, knock on wood, hopefully they'll continue to pay rent. I haven't had a single tenant miss, um, but you just never know because recessions, they don't come and go. You look at the 2000, 2001, 2002 recession, it lasted Generally, they last three calendar years, uh, maybe about two and a half years total, but they'll touch three calendar years. So we had Y2K in 2000, 9-11 in 2001, and then the, the aftermath in 2002. 
Enron and WorldCom going under. Then you look at 2007, 2008, 2009, again, three calendar years. 2007 was the beginning of the housing collapse. 2008 is when several of the banks went back bankrupt. And then 2009 is when the stock market saw its uh, incredible lows and the, the aftermath. In yeah. this case, uh, I don't think this is going to be much different. Every You look at every recession throughout history, it's basically how it, how it goes. So this, this is 2020, 2021, and I think it's going to hit part of 2022 as well. And that's why the Federal Reserve came out and said that they're not lowering interest rates uh, through the end of 2021. And then they'll reassess in early 2022 to see where the economy is, because this is going to have profound impacts across every industry for better or for worse. And I just want to say that recessions are healthy. Like, yes, it's, it's it unhealthy out, to see. It cleans out uh, businesses who shouldn't be there in the first place. Exactly. Well, it, it, it does that. Number one, uh, it cleans out employers and, and, and uh, workers who probably shouldn't have been hired in the first place as well. Um, and look, this sounds, I know that there's going to be a large percentage, probably not of your listeners, but um, there's going to be a lar- large percentage of people who hear this and, you know, they're going to say, oh, you're heartless. You don't care about people losing their jobs and they have families and they have to eat food and all this stuff. Yeah, but, but it also look at new good companies that come in and creates better jobs and other things. Exactly. And that's, that's where I was going next. It's recessions are healthy because... Uh, number one, it trims the fat. Number two, the greatest innovation occurs uh, during and after recession. So we look at the last yeah. recession. The iPhone was barely out. The App Store was not out. So we didn't have Uber. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Snapchat. We didn't have you know, Uber. And many of the things that have kept this economy alive today, we didn't have sharing, 10 years ago. Yeah, the whole sharing economy was invented post the 2008 um, recession. Yes, yes, absolutely, exactly. And a lot of these, uh, talking about, you said most of your workers are international. Well, talking about hiring international workers and freelance workers and gig workers, these websites like Upwork, Fiverr, Freelance.com, they weren't around 10 years ago. So um, it's recessions that, that are healthy over the long haul because that's when innovation is created. That's where innovation is created and um, things that where people were just kind of taking their time, chugging right along, collecting their paycheck. Now, all of a sudden, it's we've got to come out with that autonomous vehicle as soon as possible. We've got to come out with that vaccine as soon as possible. Amazon's got to come out with those drones as soon as possible. We've got to uh, stop. Uh, we, we've got to innovate our, our pharmacies and make them more digitized as soon as possible. Now everything yeah. is like, we need to go digital as soon as possible because we can't have people walking around with face masks and touching things and being close to each other. We need technology, technology, technology to come and just take over. And so 10 years from that, 10 years ago, very different. Already brought up the examples of what wasn't around. 10 years from now is going to be even more different. And that's why I'm just so bullish on the U.S. economy, I'm bullish on stocks, I'm bullish on uh, just innovation in general moving forward. Yeah. I think I think uh, we're going to go through some bad times over the next few months, but I'm definitely long yeah, just I've, digital in the economy. I've got a, uh, I've got a, a whole set of friends in like my, my mastermind group and some other things that like I, 
I am uh, obscenely optimistic about where we're going and what's going on and some of the stuff that's happening financially. Um, and they're like, I don't understand why you're so optimistic about all this stuff. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things. So a lot of things that you just said, right? Like, you know, it's the recession is like exfoliation. You take off the dead skin, the new skin grows back better and stronger, right? So like the uh, there's there's that aspect of it. But then we have things that are happening like the uh, um, bilateral trade agreements instead of the global trade agreements that are happening all over the world that are, you know, leading to far more of the uh, value in exchange for value instead of the top down. This is the trade agreements that you have to deal with, whether or not it makes sense for your country. Right. So they're going to I think there's going to be a lot of positive, uplifting things happening in, in economies all over the world, um, which is just going to help support a lot of that innovation. Um, and anyways, I, I just think there's a, there's a lot of really positive things coming out. And I think the world two, three years out from now is going to be significantly better than it was when we hit within when we started out on the, uh, you know, the coronavirus pandemic in 20, beginning of 2020. Yeah. And, and, and just remember, this was actually a man-made recession. Again, this was not yeah. a natural business cycle recession. It's the lockdowns that caused the recession, not the, the yeah. virus and there wasn't a waning of demand right it wasn't like someone everyone suddenly was like you know what we don't like restaurants anymore like yeah. that wasn't what happened right it wasn't yeah. like you know the the car came along and then suddenly we have no interest in horse-drawn buggies like there was no yeah. natural market forces it was an artificial suppressing of actual demand and when you remove the suppression the demand is going to come back um, yeah. And in some cases, I've been using the uh, the example of like, you know, when you, you know, those little squeezy stress balls, yeah. like yeah. when you squeeze, when you squeeze a stress ball, some of those, um, some of the pieces that, uh, um, that are, you know, not being squeezed will bulge out. So you have increased demand during the squeeze, right? So we have increased demand on digital services like Zoom, and you have increased demand for, you know, PPE and other things for, you know, personal protection equipment, and increased demand for certain things. And then other things are, are, uh, are their demand is squeezed, right? So like restaurants and movies and, you know, events, those those demand for those things are squeezed. But when you release it, it's all going to come back because it's an artificial squeezing of the demand, if that makes sense. Well, I think part, part of it, I'm not sure if the demand is going to completely come back. I think part of it is people are being introduced to alternative ways of doing things. So for example, going to the restaurant was the, the previous way of doing things. And now they're being introduced to Uber Eats and takeout and DoorDash and all these other ways that they don't have to go into the restaurant anymore. The same goes for movie theaters um, may have gone in the movie theater industry was, was already struggling. Yeah, they uh, were, I don't know if they're going to survive. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I know some players definitely won't survive. Um, you got it could end up being some kind of oligopoly or monopoly where you just have one, uh, you know, like AMC buying everyone else out and they're just going to have to consolidate and figure out what to do. But um, movie theaters are another great example where people are realizing, hey, you know what, I can just buy a nice surround system and a nice TV and get Netflix, Amazon Prime, and boom, there's no need to go to the movie theaters anymore. Um, so that, that, that's what I mean. Even the gyms, the gyms are shutting down left and right, being bought up by other gyms. People are realizing, hey, you know, I can work out at home. The home has become the central location for almost everything. And I think that trend is going to continue. We've been talking, I told you I started the work from home show um, and it was unheard of for the older generation to be working from home. But now the home is so, where your kids are being taught, where you're doing work, where you're watching movies, where you're working out. Home so is I have where a question the for you, because you. You work in the real estate space and I've got some clients who do a lot of training in the real estate space. I'm pretty familiar with it. How do you think that sort of consolidation into the home being... So like the home has always been like central to the American family, but 
there was always, you know, like you said, you, you go out to the gym, you go out to school, you go out to the restaurants, you go out for entertainment, you go out to other things. And now if, with a lot of those things being brought into the home, does that change the way homes like physically look and are built and are thought about into the future, do you think? Well, the first thing it does is it creates demand for homes, single family homes. It does not create demand for apartments, one bedroom, studio. It creates demand for now all of a sudden you need that extra space for the home office. You need that extra space for, you know, maybe working out. You need that extra space for homeschool room. Um, <laughs> homeschool room or whatever so now all of a sudden there is demand more a lot more demand for that home you need that extra bedroom um so what does that mean for real residential real estate that means that's a hot spot to be because that's where the demand is commercial real estate including you know the, the gym locations the retail locations the office buildings yeah, apartments. the demand has shifted the problem with apartments again Apartments are still decent because they provide a place to live. The problem is apartments are built to be on top of each other. So there mm -hmm. isn't much social distancing happening. Uh, there isn't much privacy happening. They're just piled on one another. That's the issue with, with multifamily. But that single family house, now you got the privacy, you've got the land, you've got the space. And, and so I think that demand is going to continue. We've already seen the numbers where there has been this migration out of densely populated cities like DC, New York, San Francisco, yeah. um, and they're moving to less densely, but still populated places like Tennessee, uh, Florida, Texas, Utah, Arizona, Nevada. Yeah. Um, so we're already seeing that. And so, yes, I do and think, I, I think the, uh, the, a lot of the rioting and stuff you're seeing in the big cities is going to help fuel that move out of big cities as well. Yep. That's And look, the rioting is, is the, the media hasn't been covering this, but the rioting is a result of the lockdowns. The rioting did not happen because of uh, a black man who died in Minnesota. That was a spark that set off the riots that was the spark, but it was just the, the world was just waiting for some kind of spark to, to kind It'll of set on fire. <laughs> exactly. And so when you tell billions of people across the world that you need to stay in your house, you can't leave and they've lost their jobs and their livelihoods have changed and they're uncertain about the future. Well, all it takes is some kind of spark to set off uh, a mass, uh, just a mass, mass uh, domino effect. And that's what's happened. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's it's really interesting to see because it's I think it's it's going to have dramatic impacts on a lot of the, the stuff that we've been talking about, um, you know, the demand to live in a city and live close together. And like one of the things that I've never lived in a big city, we've visited a lot of them on our travels, but um, all the people I know who live in big cities, they love the, you know, they have easy access to all the things we just talked about, like they can walk to their school, they can walk to their work, they can, you know, take their bike down to the, you know, to the gym or whatever it is. And, and it's, it's, that's part of the draw of the big city is that everything is close. And one of the mm -hmm. things like post pandemic, that's not a draw anymore. You don't yeah. want everything to be close. You want it to be further away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it, it all just kind of, it, it makes sense there. And, and the other thing that I just quickly want to discuss again is, is the whole IT technology space. Um, 
if if we if we look at and I, without getting political, I don't know how this has turned political, but without getting into a, a discussion on death or or um, you know the 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 effects or or the results of the virus, if you look at the number of states that have actually been affected by this, um, only you know, only a handful of states have been affected by this virus significantly. Uh, I would yeah. say right now, as of this recording, over 40 states, it was barely a blip on the screen. And so you, you, you see that our healthcare workers, our frontline, our so-called, our so-called frontline workers, um, they're getting a lot of notoriety in, in the press, by the public. But again, in reality, most healthcare workers didn't, they basically got the entire month of April off uh, across the country. And my yeah. wife included, who, who is actually a physician who works on COVID patients. And she, is, she basically got the entire month of April off because there weren't that many patients. And all the other patients that she usually sees, they stopped going to the hospital. So she was coming home at, you know, 1 p.m. every day. And yeah, yeah, was, right. if, you, if you weren't in, in the hotspots, if you weren't in New York or in Chicago or in, you know, Miami, Florida. Exactly. Exactly. And so, look, we need our frontline workers. They're incredibly important. They need to always be on standby. But if you look at the financials, the health insurance companies, United Healthcare, posted record earnings for, for the first quarter 2020 because they didn't have to pay for any. They were just collecting premiums from from their customers they didn't have to pay out any claim barely any claims and that's continued for q2 2020 so well for them so so uh the the point here is the it workers they're the ones nobody has given them any love nobody ever gives the it guy any love um they're the ones like i said who have saved whatever's left of the economy they're the ones who have innovated who have been able to keep things afloat digitally and online. And they're the ones who are propelling us into this new abnormal of the online and digital economy. And by IT workers, again, I mean, not just the, you know, the SAP Java people, but um, really anyone who works in technology from the designers and the developers to the guy who, who's setting up printers and computers uh, in people's home offices. All those people, you know, my my heart goes out to all you guys because you have not gotten the the respect and the the accolades that you deserve. Yeah, yeah, and I know, like personally, because you know we're in the same kind of line of business. Is a lot of my clients they turned around immediately like we need to make some changes. You're our guy, right? How do we get these things implemented? And you know, we spend a lot of time um, on our side helping them get their um, content machines going. Right. So they're actually marketing and doing all of that stuff online and have it going, you know, really strongly. And it was it's interesting because like, you know, that's the technology that we build. We build a lot of the uh, the systems and processes for that. Um, and the demand for it went up immediately and we, we have to respond really quickly. And there's just there's so much that's happening in that space. Right. So I, I mentioned one of my clients like he spent, you know, he went from being the, uh, you know, like the CEO who is working on growth to like now he's got to help all thousand of his employees figure out how to use zoom to continue their normal, um, their normal operations. Um, and you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing that like the people who were the most important to keep businesses alive were the people who knew, you know, know how to use the technology. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Absolutely correct. And 
Um, I just think it's very important. I'm not taking away from our first responders. I'm not taking away from the, the, the healthcare workers. I'm just looking at the data and saying, look, if you were to actually quantify the, the livelihoods that have been saved, the GDP that's been created, um, it's because of our, of our, the, the, really the tech workers. Yeah. And yeah, so, and you know, it fits nicely into the uh, the the whole premise of the hero show, which is that we we rightly call a number of people heroes, like our frontline workers yes. and other things. But we have a subset of individuals who are not rightly called heroes, right? And generally, it's the entrepreneur. And we're just saying, hey, a subset of those entrepreneurs, the tech workers, <laughs> they are heroes, especially in this space. Um, so, anyways, I think that ties nicely in with our message. Well, I I think entrepreneurs too need to be applauded because my LinkedIn kind of blew up over the past three or four months. I've had students reaching out who lost their internships or they lost their full-time jobs that they were supposed to take over after graduating from school. I've had other people, retirees reach out saying that they wanted to get back into the workforce. I've had uh, kind of baby boomers who have gotten laid off or taken exit packages saying that they were now unemployed and basically people reaching out to me saying, hey, if you hear of anything, let me know. Can I intern for you? Can I work for you? Do any of your clients, are they hiring? And that goes back to the entrepreneur kind of being a, an unsung hero because when things go, get tough, who are people reaching out to to find the jobs? They're not reaching out to, you know, the doctors or the, um, you know, the, 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 the employee at a company. They're reaching out to the actual folks who hire, the actual folks who are creating wealth and, and who are putting money in people's pockets. I've always maintained since I became an entrepreneur, the most virtuous thing you can do is not donating a bunch of money to put your name on a building or uh, going to some country and uh, feeding homeless people. The greatest gift you can give to people is putting money in their pockets through work, through entrepreneurship yeah. and through work, because that's what drives all the other things. It's one thing to just write a check to somebody who's in need and then you never see them or hear from them again. It's another thing to employ them and actually have them create value because that's just going to create more value and it's going to also help them in that process. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand 
almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. Um, so I have one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap up this interview. And that is um, su- suggestions for, because most of our audience is going to be fellow entrepreneurs, right? People who are, um, who are listening to this and, you know, you know, just sort of trying to get that whole mental picture in their head about being, you know, a hero and being an entrepreneur. Um, and I know you, you said on your show, you're talking a bit specifically about some of the PPE um, or sorry, the PPP and the EIDL stuff. Do you have any specific suggestions for, you know, the self-employed, you know, entrepreneur or the, you know, the one who's got a small team or maybe international workers um, or, you know, just they, if they haven't engaged with some of the finances that are currently available, what are your recommendations? Like, where should they start? Who should they talk to? Um, you know, what, what's your recommendations on that stuff? That's actually a really good question and topic that needs to be discussed because I learned uh, just kind of coaching, helping some of my friends. People just, they're not paying attention. They're not paying attention to the news. They're not paying attention to the programs that are available. They're just, they're not. And they've missed out on thousands and thousands of dollars worth of free grants and funding. And I actually, I took it seriously because my father told me at the beginning of this pandemic, he said, look, like in 2008, 2009, the Obama administration had some programs. And I just didn't pay any attention to it. And I realized months later that I missed out on tens of thousands of dollars that I could have gotten for free. But I just never paid attention because I thought it didn't apply to me. And so that's why I've taken this very seriously. And so um, basically right now, the, the our, our economic leaders, they just want to put money they want money flowing through the economy again. And if that means giving people free money so that they'll put it back into the economy, that's okay. That's what they want. And, and because we're facing some very big deflationary pressures. And so there's a very good chance if you're a business under $5 million in revenue, and if you file payroll forms, payroll tax forms, quarterly, annual, you will qualify for the PPP. So how do you get started? Whichever bank you bank, your business banks with, your, your business account is hooked up to, just contact that bank because they've already got all your information. They've got all your financials. So it should be much easier. If you, for whatever reason, aren't approved by them, check out the website Cabbage. That's with a K. So K-A-B-B-A-G-E. Go to Cabbage, fill out an application, and there's a very good chance that you'll get approved for the PPP. For the EIDL, this is meant for businesses that don't have payroll. So my real estate company is an LLC. A lot, most LLCs do not have payroll. And so I applied through the SBA disaster relief site. Again, you can just go to Google, type in, apply for EIDL. It should be the first or second thing that comes up. And it was a five-minute application, I want to say, maybe 10 minutes. Fill it out upload all your information. And all of a sudden, 
just money showed up in my bank account. Like there was no email or anything. It just showed up in my bank account like six weeks later. It took a while because there were tens of millions of people all around the, the country applying for these things. So it, 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 I think it slowed down, but um, takes a while. Look, there's no harm in applying. Put in the 30 minutes, apply, and you know, take advantage of, of these programs that are available. And Google is your best friend. If you have any questions about what I'm saying during this podcast episode, just go on Google, do a little bit more research. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm probably going to have to try and uh, reapply for the EIDL, see if it you know, just got rejected from whoever was looking at applications that they didn't like my name or something. Um, but uh, anyways, you know, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of this stuff. I know it's been a really uh, uh, crazy couple of months for everyone in the entrepreneur space and watching our economy get shut down and now you know, a lot of the stuff we're seeing with the riots and everything. It's it's interesting. I think we're going to see a lot more interesting stuff over the next few months as we get into our presidential elections and whatnot. But um, I agree. It's yeah. the the craziness is not over by any means. It's not over. But what's it's cool to me is we're sitting on the you know, we're sitting on the front lines of, of history. Right. You know, it's like being there when the uh, the iPhone was announced. Right. You know, that was really cool. It changed the world. Right. There's some world's changing stuff going on. My recommendation for people is pay attention to what happens this year because you're probably going to tell your grandkids about it someday. That's exactly what I've been saying. That's exactly it's for a lot of people. They're like, oh, I hate what's going on. 2020 needs to be over. And look, I get it. People are getting the virus. They're getting sick. They're dying. Um, People are losing their jobs. It's it's a very, very tough time. But part of being an entrepreneur is going through that journey and, and going through the experience. And this is quite the experience. Your 2020 has been really an experience for, for probably for worse, but um, me personally, I'm all about the experiences for better or for worse. And you just cherish it. And like you said, I already know that, that our grandkids they're going to be reading about this in the history books and they're going to be like, Oh, like, what was it like, you know, being locked down in your house for six months and, you know, restaurants being closed or only doing takeout and people wearing face masks and afraid to touch each other. And that's going to be, that was unheard of if you told me that a year ago and uh, it's going to be unheard of a hundred years from now too. And I think what's really crazy too, is like thinking about just our conversation today the people, the history books are going to look very, very kindly on the entrepreneurs who made the economy live through this, right? Because it's going to be, you know, it's, it's what's going to make everything happen is the entrepreneurs who make, who, uh, you know, who saw us through this. Yep, absolutely. Completely agree. So Richard, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. For those who want to check out our website, Krish, K-R-I-S-H, mediamarketing.com nareshvisa.com that's my personal website nareshvisa.com and uh, i'll be glad to send your listeners a free book all my books are available on amazon and nareshvisa.com just contact me through the the website and tell me what book you want i'll send you a free copy awesome and if you are uh new to the show and you haven't heard naresh's um original uh his whole story that we go through when we first bring uh, someone onto the show that's episode 31 we'll make sure a link is below this episode here and Naresh, thank you so much for coming on the uh, for the show today. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Richard. It's-